asking, you're probably thinking, why are we talking about finances at church? Here's a, here's a helpful fact for you. Jesus, the Savior of the world, loved us so much, He wanted to teach us about a subject that He talked about more than heaven and more than hell combined. And that was our money and possessions. Okay? So I'm going to show you a little video here to kind of... The Lord has come. The Lord. I didn't turn on the microphone, that's why. So, sorry Renee, I apologize after the fact. I'm going to show you a little video here about this to kind of give you an idea of what this series is going to be about. Not yet? There we go. There it is. There she is. Sound. Let's reset the video. I love big, big, uh, let's, let me see here. Okay, we'll just watch the video like Charlie Chaplin movies. Okay? Imagine nice orchestra music playing around. Imagine you're watching Gladiator. There's a guy riding away. Okay, here we go. There we go. Much better than me. series this week is going to talk about finances, but the concept of being balanced 
in our finances. It's a very important uh, concept. And there's some laws to balance that I want to introduce you to. If you're a science major, this is very familiar territory. If you're not, this may be new information. But I think you guys get the gist of this: the, the three laws of balance. One is, law of balance, you have to have a reference point. You know, if you're, if you're going to walk uh, on a thin uh, plank, or if I'm going to stand on my, on my foot, I need, a, I need a point of reference. I'm not going to stand on my side because I, I lose my balance that way. I'm going to look out, right, when you balance yourself. You have to have a point of reference when you're balancing yourself. You also have to have a constant correction. As your body starts to lean one way, i got to correct it and lean the other way. I use my arms to do that. Okay, We do it all the time when we're kids, even as grown-ups. And I need a clear objective. Why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? I have in my, in my uh, on stage here a baseball bat. Uh, I wasn't very good at baseball, but I was really good at wiffle ball, but not baseball. Um, this is a bat, and if I'm going to balance this bat on my hands, I need to have a point of reference. Now, if my point of reference is my hand on, on, down here, I have a hard time balancing it. But if my point of reference is on top of the bat, I can balance it quite easy. If I violate this law, the bat falls. If I violate a law of balance, I become imbalanced. Now, when I'm, when I'm focused on a reference point on top, I'm always making corrections with the bottom of my hand. I'm correcting the balance. I get out of balance, I correct it. Okay? And a clear objective as to why I'm doing this. Why, am I, why is it so important to be balanced? Why is it important? Give this to Paul over here. He's a uh, ex-UCLA Bruin baseball player. That's familiar territory for me. I'm not worthy to hold that. He is more worthy than that than I. I was not very good at baseball. Soccer was my game. If we violate these laws, the bat falls down. If you violate the law of finances, guess what happens? Nothing happens immediately. That's the deceiving part. Nothing happens immediately. Now, the reason this is important is because the reference point, financially, bouncing on one foot, constant correction, plank walking, clear objective. The reason why that's important is because the law that I violate will make the bat fall. But the law that translates to finances, I don't see an immediate repercussion. It doesn't, the bat just doesn't fall and clanking. It walks a loud sound. It doesn't do that at all, actually. Nothing happens at first. This is why we do nothing when we're out of balance financially. We don't do anything. We don't react to it. We don't respond to it because I thought it was, it's, hey, it's okay. Nothing happened. We're going to be okay. Let's go out to eat. Let's charge it. Because nothing happens immediately, so we keep doing it. But there comes a point when the tips, when the scales tip so much, where your house falls. What if immediate, immediate consequences cause? What if every time you lied or said a white lie, your nose grew? Guess what would happen? You'd stop lying. What if every time you saw something that you weren't supposed to see that was inappropriate and your eyes got bigger. You stopped looking. What if you 
heard and kept hearing things that were inappropriate and you shouldn't be hearing, and your ears got bigger, you would stop listening. When there's an immediate consequence, you would stop. When there's not, we do nothing. Because there's no consequence. Nothing happens. What if every time something grew, you would stop? This is why it's important. Finances follow the law of the harvest, not the law of Pinocchio. This is why it's so deceiving to us. Because it's a harvest example of what happens to us, not the immediate Pinocchio stuff. Look in Galatians chapter five, uh, chapter 6 with me. It's on the board. If you don't have your Bible with me, I put it on the board for you. But in Galatians chapter 6, it reads, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. In the laws of balance... We see it as an immediate impact. The bat falls in the ground. It makes a lot of noise. But in our, our finances, when we're imbalanced, we don't necessarily see the impact of what's happening. Because it follows the law of the harvest. We reap later and greater. The man who sows, reaps it. The man who doesn't sow, reaps it. Later and greater. That's why it's an important topic. And Jesus tries to address it with us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly, means very little, will also reap sparingly. In other words, when you put very little into it, you get very little out of it. It works in relationships too. If you, if you realize you have no friends, ask yourself, what are you putting into it? It works in every facet of life. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Pretty awesome. That is the law of the harvest, which is different than the law of balance. The law of balance is an immediate consequence. Boom, that falls. Boom, this happens. But the law of the harvest, it's slow and it's later and you always reap greater. It's a process. Seasonal. Think of a farmer. Now, what, what finances don't follow... His finances don't follow a fairness doctrine. Everything has to be fair. It actually, when you think that way, you don't take responsibility for your own finances. You want to, well, someone should help me or rescue me. I should get this. I should get that. It has to be fair. No, it's not. It's not going to be fair. The rich are always going to get richer, and the poor are always most likely to remain poor. Because in that doctrine, you don't do anything. It's responsibility. That changes the, the, the balance of your, of your situation. Fair requires that somebody else takes responsibility. Balance requires that I take, you take responsibility when it comes to our imbalance. Here's another deceiving thing about the law of balance. Being out of balance financially does not necessarily create financial problems. That's another deceiving thing. If you're just paying off the minimum on your credit cards... Hey, you're still floating the boat. But you are incredibly imbalanced. You're incredibly imbalanced because it's deceiving. It's not the situation you're thinking. Now, what this creates at home, if you have children, it creates a distorted value system for children. It creates an entitlement mentality. 
If your kids don't understand and you don't teach them the, this, these important principles, they grow up with a distorted view of what finances really look like. Like, Dad, let's go here, let's get that, let's get this, let's get that. And when they grow up, they realize they can't get that. You know, in, my, in our household, in our house, it's optional to do, to do your chores in the Garces household. You don't got to do a thing, but you ain't going to get a dime. So if you want to do, if you want to earn something, you got to do something. So they can, you can make your bed and make fifty cents. You can clean your room and make fifty cents. Sometimes you can make a buck for a day. That's dog poop. That's a buck every time. It's twice a day. It's two bucks a day. Times that by thirty, you can make some scrilla for a kid. But I got to teach my kids that money just doesn't come out of my wallet. Here you go. Now, I'm charitable and I'm kind and I'll take them for ice cream cones because I want to bond and connect. But if they want to earn something, they need to earn it. Because when they leave my home, no one's going to say, hey man, i got some money for you. They've got to understand. It creates an entitlement mentality. Couples. The one, one of the most things that couples argue about is money. You're spending too much. Well, you're so unfashionable. <laughs> You don't use coupons. I hate cutting coupons. There's arguments. Your wife spends too much. Maybe your husband spends too much. Maybe your husband, your husband has, a, has a terrible relationship with shoes. I'm just talking about myself right now. Shoes. I must have these shoes. Right now, we're getting, we're getting out of our pantry. Because we got a, a little out of balance. We saw our credit cards statement. I'm going, wait, we're out of balance. Now... When I looked at it, it didn't feel out of balance, but to me, it was out of balance. So you know what? We're going we're gonna to eat out of our pantry. Because there's, there's food in there that will feed a nation for 30 days. There's so much food in our pantry. I got top ramen still from last year, just sitting there. It's still good. We got food. We got rice. We got beans. We got everything. There's probably someone in my, in my, living in my cupboard just capitalizing on the extra food. We got it. So we're eating out of our pantry. Because I sensed, I saw, the, I saw the books. I saw that we're unbalanced. Now, it wasn't like the house is going to fall down, but I understood the principle. It always starts small. And then it grows. You know, consumer debt creates a lack of balance. And unbalance creates a habit in one stage of life that enters another stage of life. If you're single... And you're out of balance. See, when you get married, you bring your balance sheet to your marriage. And a lot of times we get together to counsel couples, and they're like stunned to understand that their wife or husband-to-be has, has, has tremendous amounts of debt. And that affects their new beginning. It, it stays with you. It always stays with you. Unbalance creates worrying over not having enough money. We have all this stuff and we feel you don't have enough. When the pantry would get like a little low, like it'd be a, this, this big, it'd be a den this big. Oh, we need more food. No, we got plenty of food in there. But you always have this feeling, we need more food, we need more stuff. And really you don't. Just finish your pantry. We had potatoes in there that were growing horns. <laughs> we kept buying more and more potatoes and they were in the very back. And they had these horns. I'm like, what is that? And we had to clean everything because they got all rotten because they were in the back being hiding behind all cereal. They were just hidden back there. Poor potatoes. Poor potatoes. Unbalanced 
makes it very easy to hoard and makes it very hard to give when you're unbalanced. That is what it creates. That's what unbalanced us. An improper value system. It creates habits in one stage that goes into the next. It creates worry over, okay, do I have enough? An unbalanced makes it hard to give and makes it very easy to hoard. You know, if we're not making adjustments like the law of balance, if we're not constantly correcting our our ability to balance our finances, if we're not making these corrections, the bat will fall, and it will fall very, very hard. And it, it hurts you very much. Third thing here, point number three, imbalanced financially is an indication that things are out of balance spiritually. How can we make a statement like that? Because there is a relationship between the way you handle your money and your devotion to God. I'm not making this up. Because I know what you're thinking. Gio wants the church to you to give more money. I know what you're thinking. Because I sat there as a member too. I'm going, does he want more money? I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. And so is Jesus. Because the power and the grip of money enslaves us all. And so there, Jesus had so much to say about money. More than heaven and hell. Look at the scripture here. In Matthew 6 verse 21. For where your treasure is, that's what Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be there also. There is a relationship between the use of your money and the condition of your heart. Jesus is telling us, not Geo, Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, the, the one who created you and made you, says this, where your heart is, or where your treasure is, your heart will be there too. Is there something you can't part with? Is there something that can't go on a garage sale? Can you give stuff up? Because if you can't, it's an indication of your heart. Because this is why would you want to keep stuff that moths come and destroy and that rust destroys? Why would you want to keep something that will never last forever? That's what he says. Why would you want to keep it? You're going to keep it down earth and then not make it to heaven? Because that's where your treasure is? He's trying to save you from money. He's trying to rescue us all from money. But you know why? Because we love it. The biggest joy we have is payday. Things are looking up. Payday. 15th, 30th. Today's payday. And then you look at the balance sheets and you get mad and discouraged, right? I'm in debt. My money's going here. Because you reap later and greater. Okay? There's a relationship. As your money goes, so goes your heart. And also, so goes our checkbook. God cannot have access to your heart until He gets total access to your treasure. Amen. That's the relationship. God cannot have total access to your heart unless He has total access to your treasure. All the stuff that we accumulate, it's not ours anyway. It's His. It'll always be His. And there's a constant tension because of this. He says, no servant can serve two masters. 
Think about your job for a second. Having two bosses. That's crazy. You'll quit. Either he'll hate one or love the other. Or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And Jesus never asked for money once. You know what he did? That was not his goal, was to get money. His goal was to keep money from getting us. Amen. That was his goal. He commands all the rich to be generous. What you're saying, I'm not rich. Let me give you a statistic. Okay? Let me give you a fact, and you can Google this fact, because I Googled it. I'm a rich man. I am I am incredibly rich. If your household income is over $48,000, you're in the top 1% in the world in wealth. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I thought I was just, I'm average. I'm rich. Some of you may be below that. No, you're not wealthy, but you're, you're doing pretty good. Can you imagine that? 1%. You always hear the one, about the one percenters? You're it. I'm the rich guy in the, in the world. You know what rich people do? They get their car that works. They go to a dealership. And say, you can keep this car. I'm going to give you another one. You know what rich people do? They have a perfectly good cell phone. And they go to the cell phone store and say, Hey, I want the newer one. Here you go. That's what rich people do. Are you rich? That's what rich people do. They take their car and they they get a better one. Take their phone and they want to upgrade. That's what rich people do. Top 1%. I didn't know that. I was convicted. I'm rich. Your minister's rich. He's filthy rich. You're filthy rich. But you know what I learned about myself? I got to fight the principle of greed. Because yeah. yeah. we live in a, in, a, in a community where it's good to have stuff. If you don't have stuff, something's wrong with you. That's our community. Yeah. If you don't think God and money go together, read these scriptures when you're at home. You can't serve both. You can't serve both. So I have, I have an application for you. Okay? I have, I have it to do for you. Okay? Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to go behind here. I want you to spy on your money. I want you to do this. Oh, dang. He's going to Trader Joe's again. The third time this week. Where's my money going? I want you to spy on your money. I want you to follow it. Follow your money. Just follow it. Because when you follow your money and you get all your receipts together and look at the table, there is your heart. That is your heart. And Jesus is trying to rescue you. He's trying to rescue your hearts. Get all your receipts together. Track it all. Spy it all. There is your heart. Organic hot dogs. Gluten-free Ezekiel bread. Some of you have to eat it, I understand, but some of us don't. It is good stuff. 
on your money. Watch it. Where's it going? Track it. If you got an iPhone, you can just download an app for 99 cents or free and say, Daily Tracker. I got one on my phone. I'm tracking where my money's going every day. I bought a cup of coffee at Starbucks yesterday. I tracked it. I went to Starbucks. I got them. Track your money. At the end of, the, of 30 days, sit down with your wife. Sit down with yourself. You don't need a CPA for this. Just sit down and stare at it and go, okay, we spent this, this, this is where my heart is. Look at your credit card statements. Look at your receipts. Are you out of bounds? Are you out of bounds? Are you spending money you don't have for later and greater? Because you will reap it. So as we continue to talk about money the next several weeks, we're going to talk about the principle of the objective. This is just getting started. We're going to open the books, so to speak, with where we track our money. Where is it going? But here's your first step. You have to develop a tracking system. You develop it. You can use an iPad app. You can use an Excel spreadsheet. They're free. You can Google you know, financial people. They'll give you a spreadsheet. And you can start tracking your money and start making it a habit of tracking it to see where it's going. That's step number one. That's your to-do. Is just start tracking it. Every financial person will tell you, they'll ask you, I have a budget, but are you living by your budget? Because yeah. we all got a budget that's just on the computer right there. It's there. But are we actually inputting the numbers in to see where is it really going? And you'll be surprised. What you thought, because I'm going to gauge it. I know. It's in my head. It's in my head. You'll be surprised how many times I've done that and blown the budget. Because I thought, no, no, we got enough. We got enough. And I didn't consider what Karen's spending. I don't talk to Karen. She's spending stuff. I'm spending stuff. We come and go. And I say, you're spending too much. Versus me. Right? This is necessary for balance. It's necessary for balance. This is important. You can't get where you need to be if you don't know what, you, what you're beginning with. Where is your heart? So, whatever form you want to do is fine. I want you to pass on the message of Jesus. He's trying to keep from money from getting us. So if you're in debt, don't be discouraged. Don't be down. But I want you, I want you to teach you the principles of how to create leverage, how to really balance out your books so you can be a very excited Christian, a happy disciple, a generous disciple. Because a lot of times our generosity is, is pulled back because we're so out of balance financially that we, we, can't, we, 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 may, we may want to give, but we're not in a position to give. So this week, I'm going to get my bat back from Paul here. My visual aid, thank you. You still like Bruins? The bat... Remember, if I'm going to balance this, I need, to, I need to know a reference point. That's the top of my bat. If I look away, the bat falls. I need to make constant corrections with the bottom of my hand, correcting. Okay, don't go there. Go there. Go here. Go here. And I need to know why I'm doing this. And the reason why we're doing this is because money and possessions is talked about more in the scriptures than any other subject. So it deals directly with our heart. And directly with our salvation. It's important. So this week, your goal is to spy on your money.